Hey, Warriors, this is Amy. This is Sarah, and you're listening to the Unqualified Therapists, Inc. I'm doing much better than last week. How about you? Yeah, it was pretty shitty last week. Yeah. Um, we should probably tell people we're in a new location. We are. Very, very, very high tech and fancy. <laughs> it is so fancy. And if you are a Patreon. You get to see it. You get to see it. And I can show you all of Sarah's clothes. Randy has of literally a fourth of a fourth of the closet. <laughs> Randall. So um, we're in the closet. We're trying to get some better acoustics for you. Sarah works really hard to get some sounds out. So we'll see if this works. We have lots of fringe. <laughs> we have lots of leopard. I mean, there is like, I mean, there is just a plethora of everything. Uh, yeah. So I don't have to work tomorrow and I'm very happy about that. So my real, this is like actually like a nice fun Sunday night. Um, I don't have to work because it is martin luther king jr day yes uh where i vowed to teach my students the whole story of who he was which mm -hmm. i don't think i even knew this is that whole part of relearning history mm -hmm. the whitewashed history the whitewashed taught. history where it's just you know like a cartoon like martin luther king <laughs> that i'm gonna make a little book and like put a fucking staple on the side um no like and i just wanted and it's so hard to talk to like eight-year-olds about it I feel as though I did a decent job. I only had one parent get upset with me because I do teach online. So the they're hearing everything mm -hmm. and she logged off. Never said another word, but I could tell she was pissed and that's fine. Um, and the reason was one of the big questions was, is everyone who goes to jail deserving of going to jail? Mm -hmm. And that just somehow struck a nerve, which is interesting. And I think that it was interesting for the kids to know that he wasn't liked. Yeah, no, he wasn't. And that while he did nonviolence all the way up to 1967, in 1967, he basically said, fuck it. Mm -hmm. I've been to jail 29 times. Nothing's changing. So I don't know what we need to do, but maybe we try something else. And there's the whole idea that I just think that people don't think kids can handle it and they can totally handle it. Well, how about adults? <laughs> well, I don't teach adults. I know, but, you know. <laughs> All the adults who are, you know, kind of complaining about the behaviors and the activities that took place during some of the Black Lives Matter protests right. over the summer. Right. And that need to know where Martin Luther King Jr. came from. It was what. that exact kind of demonstration. Mm -hmm. Exactly the same. And then there's some really good books now I have to give props. There's like The March and there's a couple other books from Scholastic that I'll read on Tuesday. And my students, honestly, and this is why it pisses me off that I'm only focusing on that one parent, like 90% of my students were like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, you're blowing our minds, Miss B. Like, this is crazy. Like, and they just were so interested and asked all these questions. And so I have to take that as a win. Absolutely. If you, I mean, if, you, if even one child was like, wow, I know this is the story. And I explained to them how I relearned this summer at 42 years old history that I've been taught. Right. And I think that for them to understand that we don't ever stop learning and you can't possibly take what I've taught you this year and never learn another thing about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to say, you might even prove me wrong later down the road and that's fine because new information comes out. Yeah. So anyways, that's the reason why it's like almost like a Saturday night. Yeah, <laughs> it is. 
Speaking of books for kids, I bought my children. There's a series called A Kid's Book About and yes. a bunch of different ones. You showed it to yes. me. I love it. So there's it. one on racism. So I don't know if you want to take it to school. On I would love to. Or... Yeah. And now that we're talking about it, Facebook will pick it up and give us an ad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll see plenty of <laughs> Jesse and I were talking about bras this weekend, and now the two of us can't stop getting bra ads. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to talk about two shows that I have binged. I will talk about the one that I think is so lovely, and I can't say enough amazing things about it to make you feel good about yourself and life and just loveliness, but you have to have Apple TV subscription, which I think you do, Laura. Um, my sister's on. We should just introduce her now. Yeah. This is Lori Layton. She is on with us. We are going to interview her later on about being a, a very educated, lovely nurse practitioner. But she has Apple TV. So it's Ted Lasso. Have you watched it, Laura? Oh, is it good? Oh my God. I binged it in probably like three days. I know nothing about it's it. It's about soccer, which is, oh. seems ridiculous. Well, Randy will be down. It is exceptional. It's heartwarming. It's beautiful. It's funny. It's it's just, I don't know. There was something about it that just got me. And it was perfect for some of the other stuff I watched to balance it out. Mm. Yeah. Did you watch Little Voices? No, I think you told me to, and I didn't. What's that about? Sarah McLaughlin? No, not <laughs> McLaughlin. Oh, that's what shows the 90s <laughs> Anyway, it's about um, a girl in New York City who wants to sing for a career and her struggle. Oh, that sounds that sounds good. And all the music is written by Borellis. Yes, Sarah Borellis. I love love Sarah Borellis. Yes. Oh my gosh, she's great. She's great. I. Is it like Coyote Ugly? (laughs) Oh God, no. (laughs) But we all know. We all know what that is. The right? deep down, you, love you know this, idea. right, Lori? That this is my, that was my dream to be on the bar dancing, dancing and singing. Yeah, Do when you I know was it then, I did it at Permanis. <clears throat> I was in my thirties when I was bartending before they got cameras one time. But I wanted the water and shit. Like I was like, I don't <laughs> even care. I want all of this. Like I wanted to be those girls so bad. And now I don't know. If that's a good thing. Like, I... That's objectifying women. I am no, don't don't think of it like that. If that's their if it's a choice to want to do that, it then that's is a different. choice. I feel like it's like so fun to do those like I'm just not very coordinated and a terrible like dancer, so I don't know. I'm like so shocked by this because I would never have ever thought that, that would have come out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> total dream. You wanted to... Okay, well, so I'm not I don't know if it's still there. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. Yeah, she's she's crazy. 14. Well, you remember when I told mom and dad at uh, Ocean City that my dream was to be a Hooters girl? Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't really fully understand it. And they were like, uh, I had big tatas then. <laughs> Not that I don't now. They're even bigger. But I mean, like, at 14, having a size, like, CD is huge. And oh. I was like, I am going to be a Hooters girl. Oh, my God. Aren't you proud, mom? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm surprised because of the, like, I just because of what I know about you from booty and you'd be like, I hate the dancing. I hate the dancing part. And so that just surprises me that you're like, I want to dance on a bar. <laughs> I just need a couple shots. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, you give me a couple shots and I'll karaoke too. I don't fuck, I'll fucking do anything. Oh, then we're going karaoke. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm just going to make everybody want to leave the karaoke bar because of my <laughs> voice, but we'll do it. I mean, I, I, yeah. So Coyote Ugly was a movie I've seen like 
mm, I don't even know, maybe 10 times. Oh, yeah. Like, I love it so much, and I loved it, and I wanted to be her just as much as I wanted to be, like, in Dirty Dancing. Oh, my right? goodness. I'm just so surprised. I know. I think maybe I, <laughs> I'm a wannabe dancer. I'm just, I, I just have a very difficult time with directional dancing. <laughs> like Choreographed dancing. Yeah, like, so Scott used to try to teach me line dancing because he was a line dancing <laughs> instructor for the summers. What? Yeah. I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised at all. At 4-H camp, he was a line dancing instructor every summer. And so he knew all the line dances. And so when we lived in Colorado, he would try to get me to go to the country bars. I know, right? Mind blown. The country bars with him and go line dancing. And so in the freaking living room, I'd be like, just try to teach it to me, okay? Oh and he would be like, God damn woman, like I have taught everyone. This is insane. <laughs> and in the same way that um, we did drum circles in my first job out in Colorado and he would like try to teach me how to like you do the djembe and he's like, you have zero, zero like ability to like carry a beat here. And I was like, I know, but rhythm would be the word. Mm -hmm. um, Booty's helped me, he'd be so proud. He really would. Cause like when the beat drops and I hit it exactly, I'm like, do you hear do you see that? Because I just did it. I just hit it hard. Um, but yeah. Well, I'll never forget being in DC with you practicing for your booty start the next day. And Scott and I are like, okay, ready? Just feel it in the floor. And I looked at both of them and I was like, what do you mean there's beats in a song? <laughs> you did what? say I that. said it. I said it. Totally oh said it. Gosh. I know. Okay. Going back to gaslighting, which was probably one of our most popular episodes that we've done because I think everybody's experienced it, maybe couldn't put a name to it. I watched, I binged this weekend, The Vow on HBO, which is all about Nexium, the cult Nexium. Yeah, I've heard about that. So cult. on Stars, it's called Seduce. So there's two to watch. I okay. started Seduced with um, my neighbor Alex, and then I watched The Vow with Jesse on HBO. Holy fucking shit. Mm -hmm. That shit was messed up. And I wasn't branded people right on your vag. Yeah. What? Yes. With the initials of the guy, the guy. Keith Rainier. Mm -hmm. So is this a doc or is this it's a, a doc? Do you remember Smallville? Anyone? I mean, that's. Was yeah. that the Superman thing? But it was Allie Mack, right? So it's her show. Allie Mack and Keith Rainier. In the branding, one way it's his initials and in the other way it's hers. It's hers, right. The way that they so fucked did up. it. So I've been watching it and just really thinking about gaslighting and just the manipulation of cults. It's unreal. Unreal. And it's just fascinating. It wasn't definitely wasn't a light watch this weekend. <laughs> but, and maybe that's why I'm feeling depressed. It was fascinating. And I don't think I recognized it in the news because I was dealing with so much of my own shit. And mm -hmm. that was 2000. 18, 19, 17, 18, 19 that it came out. Mm -hmm. I only recognized it in the news because I watched so much Dateline and it was on a Dateline episode. Mm. So I saw it then when it actually happened and came out and I was like, whoa. I'm, well, it, it I is... definitely appreciated your episode last week because like I never knew that that's what it was called. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And, and I thought that Sarah bringing it to like a real story mm. was really perfect instead of putting it to politics. Mm -hmm. mm. I think that was a good example because it wasn't a romantic relationship either. So that mm -hmm. people understand it happens in platonic relationships and it happens at fucking work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've had some people tell me their work stories, but I can't share because they are too nervous. We have Lori here specifically. Uh, first of all, since your lovely sister doesn't understand what you do, 
um, and said the wrong thing last week. Can you just tell us what your yeah. um, title is and what that means and what it is you do for a living? Which, by the way, the Forbes uh, top 100 jobs list came out again and physician assistant and nurse practitioner are like one and two. Wow. What number one and number one and number two. So best job, top 100 jobs. And then like, now I work with a lot of PAs who are excellent. It was easier for me to transition Okay. because I had 10 years of being a nurse. Yeah. And then I became a nurse practitioner. Wow. That's a lot of experience. That makes a lot of sense. And where do you work currently? So I work at a local community hospital. It's a 420 bed hospital and we are affiliated with a larger teaching hospital from in Philadelphia, Um, but we're an hour away. And I work with the hospitalist team, which we used to be called internal medicine. So, you know, about 15 years ago, all the family physicians were not allowed to come to the hospital anymore. So now we are everyone's primary care person when they come to the hospital. Mm. So we do all the admissions, all the discharges, we're on everyone's case where they're they're attending. And so my role specifically is same as a, a physician. I I see my own list of patients, which were so, um, the census is so high right now. I had 18 the other day. So that means I'm responsible for 18 people who are sick and everything that they need, I do. Talk about a thankless career. It's just, and it's been so bad this year that, I mean, I'm never gonna stop doing this job, but it's thankless. Can you like give us a summary maybe even starting back in March. I feel like your perspective on things has shifted and I only know this because I'm your sister. So I'm sure that this is not someone that, you know, that Mm -hmm. a patient or someone at work would know, but you have, your viewpoint has changed. And so it's been interesting to watch someone from the inside scoop or with more knowledge than me. It's like, where did you start in March? Were you like, oh shit? So yeah, I've gone through, I've cycled through a lot of different, and you know, as a healthcare provider, that's very strange the way I cycled through, but to explain it briefly in March, it was kind of like mm, a little bit of impending doom mm. and we were being told information and it was just kind of just being shot at us at meetings at, in emails. This is what's going to happen. We have a plan when the numbers get this, this, and this high, we're going to be having like army tents out in the field and each of you will be taking on your own tent with no doctor and you're responsible for everyone there. You will have uh, staff underneath you from the outpatient world and you'll be in charge of them. You'll be in charge of this many nurses. You were so overwhelmed. You were like, what the fuck? Oh, I had I had a breakdown. Yeah. I, I had to call my PCP and ask for more Ativan. And she was like, I really want you to call this employee helpline because <laughs> I think you need help. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> calling that. I was like, I don't have time for that. They want me to be training and and doing this tent and I can't. And and that was the day that I had this altercation with an elderly patient who, and I, that's the day I snapped, you know, she just was a little confused and it was inappropriate on her and my, and mine. She tried to swing at me and I held her wrist and I told her to stop being a bitch. (laughs) And so to laugh. I know. I got written up and then I had her written up as trying to abuse an employee. Then my boss, (laughs) 
uh, my boss is like, I don't really care. He's like, because I had to take, they made me have a leave of absence for a day till they like investigated. And he, I called him and I was like crying and I'm like, I'm so sorry, this is bad timing. Cause we were like right in the heat of all this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't care what you did, whatever it was, it wasn't wrong. He's like, I need you back at work. So when can you come back? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'll, I'll know in the morning. He's like, okay, as soon as possible, please come back. And so I was back the next day, but that's the day I cracked. And then, um, I volunteered myself to be in the ICU, which I'm not normally in um, because I have ICU background as a nurse. And so um, you also have the, the person that person not person. Yeah. There's something about you that I think can handle it, that they saw that other people can't like fucking handle it. I would, uh, there's no way I could do the ICU. Yeah. Well, I mean, I volunteered myself. Yeah. So, yeah. and so there was, we had some training of, okay, this is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to do it. And so it wasn't hard for me because I was already used to it. But here's the thing. So we get all prepared for this. We have this whole protocol system in place and it's like nothing happens. So, and we're talking about April and May. So April and May of 2020, we're just waiting for this huge boom of COVID patients and they're just trickling in. Now, is it hard whenever they're all dying? Cause this is when the, it was like the really elderly population. Yeah, and anybody kind of, who came in died. Everyone died. I have to tell you that it was like one of those things where I had to turn myself off. Mm, I, I, I had to shut down yeah. any emotion connected to anything because I was putting, do you guys know what the blue jeans app is? Yeah. It's cause stitch fix uses it. Okay. So it's like zoom, but mm-hmm. it's blue jeans. And so that was the only way the hospital could provide families to talk to their loved one that was in the hospital. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. And so specifically in the ICU, I remember this one day where I had to facilitate that this woman was dying. And I had to, and it's Spanish speaking, so I couldn't even talk to her. And I had to call the Spanish speaking son and use like an interpreter on a video, then have another video set up. Meanwhile, I have all the gear on. You can't see me, you know? And I said, if you want to come in, I will make it happen. If you want to physically come in and say goodbye, she, and he was like, I'm scared. I can't, I have all these kids. I have, I, I can't mm. put anybody else in danger. So I put the the screen up against this woman's ear and they say goodbye and the grandkids come on. And I mean, is the woman conscious? Barely. She was, she was dying. She was actively dying. So, I mean, as a healthcare worker, healthcare provider, you emotionally shut yourself off because there's no way you can even, do you think I had a break? I had to move on to the next person and that person died two hours later too. Yeah. You know, and people want to know like why, when I get home from a long day, I'm a raging lunatic or a bitch, or I shut down and don't talk to me. It's so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And this year has been really tough. Yeah. So you had, I'm like beyond. (laughs) Well, when I think about the end of life, it COVID, it's just so different, I think. And I'm sure you've had to be at the end of people's lives a lot, right? Yeah. So this is probably so different than anything you've ever experienced, right? right? As a yeah. as a as a professional. Well, the approach is very different because in a normal situation, you have the family at the bedside. Right. 
they can say goodbye. They're physically there. They can physically mm -hmm. hold the person's hand, physically give them a kiss on the head. So that's what's different. Do you feel like you have to be that person then to hold their hand and like be there while they transition? Have I done that? Yes. Have I done that this year with all the COVID stuff? Um, I hate to sound this way, there's just no time. So I think that particular patient, I sent in a nurse's aide to be with her until she died because I had to move on. It's awful. Yeah, that is awful. That is really awful. I think that's probably the sad, one of the saddest parts of all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask because it was something that I was listening to this philosopher talking about COVID and his views on kind of the ethics of treatment and the hierarchy of when people come in and who gets the ventilators and who doesn't. Is it like, I mean, I know in emergency rooms, there's a, um, the most severe cases get treated first, but what I've been what I've been hearing is that with COVID, it's kind of a first come first serve for the ventilators. Is that the case or is it a severity level? I think if you put it on a timeline to answer that question, I would say that in the beginning, like April and May, it mm -hmm. was first come first serve or what it was, was this large population of elderly and my county has a lot of elderly. They just weren't putting them on the ventilator. They were just giving supportive care, comfort measures, and that was all we could do. Now, over the summer, the numbers went down. So we were able to uh, get a large supply of this machine called Vapotherm. Vapotherm is high flow oxygen. So instead of a mask or instead of a ventilator, you it's in your nose, but it's highly concentrated oxygen. This is what saved everything. So it's, we started it in the summer and that's what we're using still to this day. And it is getting people alive, like keeping them alive. So it's not like when you went on the ventilator before that meant like it was almost, cause you used to say to me, like, that means like it's, it's they're probably, it's, that's the end for right. them. They're probably not likely to come off. This sounds like this is something different where you can like wean yourself off. Yeah. So what's been going on is these people are on this for like seven to 10 days, but it's going well. And I would say that they're recovering and, um, my hospital specifically was able to open up more units that were capable of this machine. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that created a lot of space for COVID patients to go to and recover in this long recovery. I mean, it is long. Right. So I was seeing those patients and I was also seeing the, the ventilated patients. And I would say if I had to put percentages on it, I would say about 80%, if you got on the vent, you weren't going to make it or they didn't make it. And then 20% did, they were extubated, switched to this vapotherm, went to a, a different floor and got better. Hmm. That's interesting. But can you go directly from, or can you go directly to the thing in your nose, the ox, the vapotherm, the vapotherm? now yeah you can mm -hmm. you can see the ventilator, the ventilator okay. all together yep and so this is still aerialized oxygen and so when i say aerialized that means that you have to be in an n95 or a papper and a papper is the spaceman suit okay there are times when patients are not getting a breathing treatment or not on vapotherm and have covid and you're technically still allowed to just wear a surgical mask i don't <laughs> But there, there was wow. times when our administration was making the nurses only wear a surgical mask at those times. And guess what happened? They got COVID. Guess what happened? Mm -hmm. All the nurses got COVID. 
They all had to be out for 14 days. And then what did administration do? Wear an N95 yeah. in every room. Ugh, this brings me to something that wasn't even on my list of things to talk to you about. But um, would you say that, could you talk about the supplies? I think that's just a terrible. In the same way that people talk about it with schooling. They don't understand how I can't have supplies. But you used to tell me you had the same fucking mask for like, I don't even know. You had to hang it up or put it in paper bag yeah, or something. I still I still have the same N N95 mask I've been using for two months. What? Yeah. How is that even effective anymore? It's, I mean. That's gross. It's gross. Yeah, it is gross. It's in so a you paper get bag what? in my office. And what does a paper bag do? Does it kill the germs? You go down these hallways of these COVID units and there's just bags lined up with people's names. And it's called your social mask or your COVID mask. And <laughs> you just walk down and I mean, it looks like a shit show, okay? I mean, it's just like all these people's dirty masks hanging from the walls in these bags. I mean, it's like- This a, can't be real life. It's like a doomsday picture. Lori, that's fucked up. Yeah. Now, the good news is I noticed recently I used to have to like go steal masks and hoard them. And we're just talking about surgical masks, regular masks, because we're not allowed to wear fabric masks. That's not allowed. What I have noticed is we must have got some kind of big supply within the last four weeks because now there there's masks available everywhere. Surgical ones. Surgical ones. Your N95 though, not so much. I mean, they're available, but I feel bad use one use a new one every week that I'm there because uh, I do seven days on, seven days off. So I just reuse mine. Do so you feel like that's what most most people do, or is that what's expected? The doctors, the nurse practitioners, and the physician assistants are probably doing what I'm doing. But I hope that the nurses and the nurses aides are getting fresh ones because I'm not with the patient 12 hours. They are. Yeah. The hardest working people right now are, and should be really like just put up on a huge pedestal are nurses and respiratory therapists. Yeah. yeah. They're not given enough credit. Yeah. They're not given enough love and support at all because yeah, I have to go see 18 people, but I only spend 10 minutes with each of them. I mean, this staff is with them for 12 hours a day. Jeez. Oh so I have a, a question for you. I had three surgeries in 2020. <laughs> and now hearing all of this, it makes me like suspicious of what were these people wearing in the operating rooms and what were these people wearing in the recovery rooms that I wasn't awake for. And I also, because it was COVID, I couldn't have anyone with me. So I was by myself. So I didn't even have anybody to be like, hey, can you put a mask on while you're around her or... The hierarchy of the operating room, they're way higher than us. They oh. get whatever they want. Oh. So they have a clean mask whenever they oh. want one. Is that because people are open? <laughs> because it's a sterile field yeah. that, right. and I wouldn't expect anything less. That's, that's really important. Okay. So that makes me feel better then. I feel a little yeah. bit better. So when did you see a surge in patients or did you never? Uh, the surge was after Halloween. Mm. Two weeks after Halloween, it hit like that and i was like it was halloween it was halloween yeah and that's when my that's when i got crazy with my family oh yeah so for halloween we did whatever the hell we wanted we walked in the neighborhood everyone was out we didn't yeah. think anybody would be we my kids got candy we were hanging out with friends and then i started to see what was happening two weeks later and i'm like oh my god i'm part of the problem this is very bad <laughs> And so, 
I was like, I'm telling my patients and families to do this stuff and I'm not doing it. So then I got more strict with things that in my personal life I was doing. And man, after Thanksgiving, it skyrocketed. Did it? it was, yes. It does not surprise me. Yes. I thought for sure Thanksgiving and Christmas, like this whole Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, I was like, okay, mid-January, it's going down. Let's talk yeah. numbers because this is really interesting. Now remember, my hospital's not huge. Back in April and May, when we thought we were like under the gun, <laughs> you're going to have the tents. Yeah. We only had 45 COVID patients. Oh my okay? gosh. As of Friday, we have 155. Currently. Currently. I told you, mid-January is going down. <laughs> So, so it's a really good time then for us to open up schools 100%. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As, yeah. As our kids school goes back full time on Tuesday. Full time. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I mean, that's a whole thing that Sarah and I talk about a lot is we don't understand these rules because they don't make any sense to us because they're so varied. Mm-hmm. It's this rule for school. It's this rule for the restaurant. It's this rule for this. It's rule. For, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. If it's even a big deal, I mean, everybody I know, not everybody, but I would say like 50% of the people I know have already had COVID yeah. and it just yeah. is, it just is like half our school teachers, half the staff have had it or have Do it. Do you now. know that if you've had COVID, you have to wait 90 days to get vaccinated? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. That leads me into it. So I want to hear your thoughts on the vaccine. I just signed up for it as much as I was against it. I told Lori, I just want to go to a fucking concert. I wish I could tell you it was something more and bigger and like a bigger idea. Like it's like, because I'm educating America's I mean, I, I really, I really like to want to say like, I'm essential worker. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that people can't do. I'm, I'm teaching the world of mm-hmm. children. No, I want to go to a fucking concert Speak and drink truth. outside. Okay. Speak I truth. want to do these things. I want to dance and drink and I want to not, I want, I want, if you're going to make me go to school and teach these children, I want to go outside and drink and listen to music. <laughs> But why were you against it? Because I'm I'm pretty anti-vax. In general? Yeah. Really? I am. And I know that's fucked up. Okay. Where, Do you want to know why the kids aren't getting episode. it? Why? Because they've had the MMR recently. Oh. You think that helps? And that helps? <laughs> uh, so I read an article about that the kids, <sighs> that is why children yeah. are not getting it because they recently had the MMR. Well, Avery had it. That's why he doesn't get it. So I have all of my kids have been vaccinated. Let's just let's just go there. I and I'm not there now, but there was a time back in the day when I was back with the, like the hippy dippy shit that I was very into that and I was researching it and I was like, there's got to be something wrong with these. For those who don't know, MMR is measles, measles, mumps, and rubella. I just wanted to. So if your kids have had that, then they're good. What are the years right? that you get that? How old are you with that? There's a couple boosters too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it start that one starts at the beginning. But I swear he just got a booster on that one. I don't know, maybe not. He got four this last time. I don't know, guys. I don't have a reason. I'm be okay, honest so with let's, you. Okay, so let's talk about the vaccine. So I got Pfizer. And so there's Pfizer and Moderna that are out now. Mm-hmm. Right. Both of them have the mRNA. Um, What's the mRNA? You're going to have to, to um, break it me- down. <laughs> messenger RNA. Okay. And that's in the outside of the cell. I don't know if you guys looked at that video, but it was actually pretty informative. The Dr. Z video that I that you tagged, tagged us you in. guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've never had a vaccine this way. I can't really go into the whole like bits and pieces Fine. of it because yeah. I don't know. But I do know that 
it's not new, new. They've been working on something like this for 10 years, not for COVID, but for with this type of vaccine that's different than all the other vaccines, where you're actually injecting mRNA from the COVID vaccine into, and that's what's in the vaccine. So is that like a receptor for the actual virus? So it's going, you know how like they show pictures of the coronavirus and has the spikes? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the spikes. And that's being injected. And, yeah. And so okay. your body is going to build antibio antibodies, antibodies to that. Okay. But isn't that how most vaccines work? Like the flu vaccine works like that, right? It's, but it's not with specifically messenger RNA. This okay. has never been done before. Okay. And I can't tell you what like MMR or the flu vaccine, I don't actually know. That's fine. Have. That's so what I thought was interesting is, you know, I listen to the daily now all the time. Yes. And what was my so doing, if anyone daily. wonders. Yeah. It was me, it was me, it was me. And they start talking <laughs> the about <laughs> the English, how England has another yes. type of COVID. And I'm like, oh, you oh, gotta yeah. be kidding me. I freaked me. the fuck out when I so saw the that first shit. The first thing I thought of was, oh my God, my vaccine's not going to work against this mutated gene. Right, like this mutate, yeah. yeah. I heard about this in She's between. actually thinking, I can't go to that concert with my sister <laughs> in September and see Pearl Jam. Damn it! <laughs> Wait, where is Pearl Jam going to be? Because we're going to want to know. On a beach where? Oh, we'll tell you all about oh, it. Oh my God. Yeah, my husband girl. is obsessed with Pearl Jam. Lori and I are there. Obsessed. Oh yeah. So I was like, and this was in between my first and second vaccine. And I'm like, shit, why, do we, why would I even get the second one? There's a new strain. I'm going to get infected with this one. And so luckily the daily calmed me down and they're like, we've act asked some experts and they said this vaccine will still fight oh, okay. against okay, this okay. strain. They're like, but just so you know, the study was very small and there's only one. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm all right with that. <laughs> I don't care if the... The N was only like 50. I don't care. So is it because they have enough properties that are similar that it's that's how it'll work? I think that was the basics of that it is. Yeah, that way. I just get super interested in like how this shit actually works. So the first, Crazy. after my first one, I felt no symptoms. Nothing. Nothing except a sore arm like a flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. And then. How many um, days later before the second one? It was about, I think it has to be like 22 minus to either okay. way plus or minus two mm -hmm. days and so like december 18th i got it and then january 8th the second one i was fine the day i got it so 4 p.m i got it and then the following day at 11 a.m it hit me like a ton of bricks i was oh. at work it just all of a sudden i got this crushing headache chills and thought i was gonna die <gasps> i'm like Ooh. Oh my God. I was just like sitting at a computer in an office and I'm just like, okay, I don't understand. Like I didn't even put two and two together. It took me 10 minutes to put it together. Oh my God. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't even hold my head up. I had more patients to go see. I'm like, I'm not doing any of this. And so I was with a, uh, the doctor I was with that day. I was like, Hey, um, did you get your second vaccine? Because how did you feel? And he's like, oh, I just had a headache the next day. And I'm like, well, I feel terrible. I need you to just handle everything else for me. I'm leaving. <laughs> and um, oh he's, like, he's like, oh, no problem. He's like, you got to go home, take some ibuprofen and lay down. Mm -hmm. And so I go home, I crash. At 11 p.m. that night, I felt completely normal. So 24 hours later. So, like not even. It was like yeah. 4 p.m. I got it. I was sick for 12 hours, 12 hours or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm done. And so I've talked to all the physicians 
and other uh, healthcare workers that have gotten the second one, same exact thing. Mm -hmm. They all have symptoms after the second one, but it only lasts a day. Okay. Meanwhile, I'm like texting her like obsessively. I'm like, so this means I shouldn't get it, right? This is fucking insane. <laughs> and she's like, no, Amy, still get it. It's fine. <laughs> Here's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm gonna let her be the guinea pig. And then when she got sick, I was like, oh, damn. Oh, she gonna die from this vaccine? Oh, Amy. Okay, but just like the TikTok I told you about today, right? Oh my God. If they give it to every nurse and every doctor, I know. What's going to happen if something happens to all of us? You guys are screwed. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, come on. Well, what if it's the Russians? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Down the truly. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, that, that video today was talking about um, how somebody claimed that the metals and the vaccine were going to link to, like, satellites and shit. Yeah. No, to 5G, and, honey. 5G. 5G. No, and the doctor's like, um, you have more iron metal in your blood system than anything <laughs> compared to what's in the vaccine you idiots okay oh please educate yourselves go to cdc.gov go to we don't believe the cdc oh good lord stop they're it. run by the rush <laughs> <laughs> i'm just doing this because she's my sister everyone listeners out there i believe in the cdc she's just messing with, my with her holy shit you're right yes educate yourselves properly go to the right places don't Please. listen to your don't listen to your neighbors who post on facebook about Please the 5g don't. metal being injected <laughs> into your blood oh my god can can you give us like a little also like general population tidbit on how you feel about masks Listen, I was at the mall this weekend, not by choice. There was a few people that didn't have one on. I was so pissed off. I'm like, do I go up to them? Do I go up to them? No, they're going to pull a gun on me and kill me. But they didn't yeah. have one at all. Or they had it below their nose, like a chin strap. Or underneath their Nothing. Chin. Nothing at all, period. And even at Wegmans today. And I'm like, really? I, I get really angry, okay? Because the mask is to protect other people. I mean, can we just be decent human beings? Now, have has anybody seen the tests that they do with the mask and no mask? Yes. And the sneezing and the yes, pr the singing and the loud talking, I mean, laughing. Yeah. So what? It's not a hundred percent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it's enough to that's just the right thing to do. Is that how you feel about it? Okay. Yeah. No, it is. She just. Oh no! I would totally. I, I wear my mask. hundred percent. I wear my mask. All, yeah. Every time I go anywhere, I have it on. I just wash them all because if you notice some of the cloth ones after you wear them too much, like the I don't know itches my nose on the inside. I okay. So here's a. Wait. I don't leave my house like ever. And yeah, Sarah leaves like <laughs> once a month. Like once a month. So that that day was like two days ago, because I was like it was a mental health thing. I was like I have to get out of my house. I can't be here anymore. I was like, I'm going grocery shopping. Randy's like, it's eight o'clock at night. Also, Randy does Instacart. So yes, I don't even there's know. There's no reason for him. He would just bring home the groceries. I was like, I got I got to get out of here. So I get halfway there and realized I didn't bring my mask. And I was like, fuck. Well, his mask was in there. My <laughs> husband is Italian. I put it on and I was like, this fucker smells like marinara sauce. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, he's going to appreciate I know. that. Listen, you shouldn't wear other people's masks. I'm not condoning that, but we, it is we, better. We, we say it's like underwear at school. Yes, Ew. exactly. Would you wear your, your friend's neighbor's underwear? underwear? No. Gross. Keep, it's just like underwear. So I've been noticing something at work, which is interesting, is the double masking. Is that like two condoms? <laughs> <laughs> 
two condoms is not effective. I have no idea, but I've been noted seriously at work. Double bagging. I'm like, what's happening? But like, because I don't leave my room. I teach online. I only leave my room to do my two duties, which is lunch and pickup. And I'm like, why are people wearing two? They wear a surgical one and then they wear the cloth, cloth. one over Like it. a filter? And it's like a filter, I would say. What do you think? Lord? I don't know. What do you I think? I mean, it's not going to, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> now, if they were wearing an N95 with a surgical over it, that's what we have to do in the Dang. hospital. Where are we going to get an N95? We're not getting an N95. Believe me, you don't want them. I so mean, you're saying they're like the duck ones, right? The N95. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like choking my double chin. <laughs> and I'm like, do I have to move up to the next size? But I can't because I was already fit tested and you can only wear what you were fit tested for. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. And, but like, I'm like, I got so fat that like, it doesn't fit anymore. And I was like freaking out. I'm like, is this protecting me? So I was like trying to we're like blow <laughs> all this air out. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. it was sealed. It was fine. I just had a little moment. <laughs> God, a little anxiety attack. Uh, so I still want to know, like, then what's the science behind a regular mask? 80 to 90% of your particles are blocked with your mask. They're contained, yeah. All right. So what if I have my mask on and Sarah doesn't? Am I protected or not really? She's only protected. No, you're protected more than I am, but you're not protected as much as if I had my mask on too. Correct. Whatever, smart bitches. No, I just want, I just looked at the things. Oh <laughs> For all the things that she reads and watches, I mean, really. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, I believe in QAnon. I'm not really a big, like, I'm an anti-vaxxer. I don't believe COVID's real. Yes, you do. We're kidding, people. <laughs> don't unsubscribe. I'm totally fucking kidding. <laughs> God. Somebody's going to take that sound clip and put it somewhere. Being in the ICU, oh. man, like I, I just give you so much credit. And, you know, like we were talking about just being in there in general is so tough. Have you spoken with, um, I guess it would be like the nurses aides or the nurses, I guess, who have to, who not have to, but who spend their last, who spend the last moments with these patients? Like, how are they holding up? The nurses are not doing well. Yeah. They are not doing well. I can speak from experience in my hospital that in the spring, the community was just, uh, yeah, they gave food. Yeah, um, there was always meals coming in. There was always treats coming in. I mean, if you would have walked into those break rooms in April, it, it yeah. was just filled with stuff. Mm -hmm. And then nothing over the summer, nothing when the holidays came. Mm -hmm. And these nurses are exhausted. Yeah. They've all had COVID themselves mm -hmm. and they still come back and they still put all that gear on. I had marks right here um, from an N95 and I only had it on for an hour. And these nurses have it on for 12 hours. And like, I just feel so bad for them. Mm -hmm. They're exhausted and they need to be told thank you. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. need a, they need thank yous. Yeah. Do you feel like they want to quit? I can tell you that they have quit. I wondered if we'd see an influx of nurses who quit. Yeah. I, I have a, a question kind of around ethics. So I, like I said, I was listening to this philosopher. So I have all these like mm -hmm. things that are swimming in my head. So have you guys had to make any really tough decisions when it comes to giving a ventilator to someone else that someone else might already be on. So like, for instance, if there's an elderly patient that's in their eighties and they're on a ventilator and they're going to need that ventilator for another month. And when they come off of it, they're probably not going to survive. And there's a 
23 year old kid that comes in and is probably only going to need that ventilator for three to four days. Like, have you guys had to make decisions like that? Or so is- no, because we've never run out of ventilators. Oh, mm. go- okay. Well, that's so we have we have enough ventilators. What we don't have enough of are ICU nurses to take care of that patient oh, or a man. bed that has that capacity. Mm-hmm. Now I can tell you that we've been able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Every time something happens like yeah. this, we figure it out because we actually have enough machines. Mm-hmm. So you either just leave them in the ER on the ventilator until you figure it out. Or the ICU happens to have a bed. We have three ICUs. So you just move them out. Or let's say like that Vapotherm machine that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. Let's say the patient in the ICU is on that and not on a ventilator, but just kind of teetering. And you're just like for safety reasons, like, eh, we'll just let them stay in the ICU. Mm -hmm. No, if there's somebody coming through the ER that's already on the ventilator and needs that bed, you push that other person to the other unit that can take this other, you know, the vapotherm I was talking about earlier. And so it's, it's fluid. It's always moving. We've never had to say, no, you can't have one if you need it. Well, that's wonderful to hear. But what does happen a lot is let's say that we've had, let's say somebody's 75 years old and they've been on it for two weeks, Mm -hmm. the ventilator in the ICU. Well, we've already been talking to the family about code status and, you know, withdrawal of care and hospice. So you kind of, you let that first week slide and then into that second week, you have to have the conversation every day. And that's what I was responsible for when I was helping oh. out the ICU. Um, so you just, you just shut down yourself Jeez. And you step into that role because who else is going to do it? Right. So and you, so you compartmentalize I, basically. Yeah. That- and as a nurse, I have that like bedside, I can have that bedside manner with the patient and the family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you just say, listen, I'm so sorry, but we don't see any improvements. We've done all the treatments. Wow. I mean, I'm sure you guys know, maybe you don't. It's remdesivir is the antiviral IV medication. Uh, Decadron is the steroid that we give them. And then convalescent plasma. So plasma from someone who had COVID. Ah. And the the antibodies. I was just going to ask about that. I think that's what Trump got, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He got all of it. And so the antibodies are in that plasma. Mm -hmm. So after you've gotten all of those full treatments, you do that for like seven days. And if they're still not turning around, oh, and you're flipping them prone. So you you flip the patient Mm -hmm. on their stomach. Stomach. I've heard of. Wait, yeah, you were telling me about this, right? Yeah, and it wasn't enough nurses to do that, though, at some point. Right. Our team was really innovative, and they had surgical techs come from the OR Hmm. and be the turn team. Wow. Twice a day. It was scheduled. It was amazing. And so you turn them. It recruits the air into the bottom of the lungs where it needs it the most, and they improve. I mean, we've seen people improve. Now, back to the thing is if they don't, and we've done all these things, you have to say, I am sorry, but we can do nothing else. And and we need to take this person off the ventilator and let them go. So mm. it does seem to be like ever changing. And what do you know about, and you might not, cause they're out of your care at this point, but I've heard some things and that's, I think what scares me more than the initial is the long-term that maybe yeah. for a month you're fine. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're just not. Or 10 years down the road. Yeah. Well, I almost like, don't want to tell you because you're such a hypochondriac, but who me? <laughs> um, so there are cardiac Do issues it. for sure. Forever. 
Um, For all? Remember, this is brand new. We don't know. We don't know how long they're going to be sick. But patients who have COVID, they should get what's called an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of your heart, because they are finding some patients have damage to their heart from the COVID virus. You hear this, people? People who don't want to put a mask on. You don't want to put a mask. You don't want to put a piece of cloth across your nose and your mouth. You can't. So if you contract this, you could have lifelong, just like something that you can't be. I also have heard like from nurses that they didn't feel normal again after having COVID for like a whole two months. Yeah. Didn't feel normal. Two months. They couldn't put their finger on what it was they didn't feel normal about. No. That's the creepiest thing. I know that feeling. I do too. Don't worry. They were back at work. Of course they were. COVID patients. Were they women? No, I have a student NP right now and he had COVID in March and he said he's still short of breath. He's like, Lori, do you think I should go get an echocardiogram? I'm like, yes. Let's see if you have damage. And he's what, 25? gosh. I only asked if they were women because I feel like um, women tend to just snap back and do whatever they need to do, regardless oh, of how they're feeling, regardless of, I think it's just something that's innate Maybe in though, if you're it's a nurses. nurse, it's nur- yeah, nurses if you're too, a male sure. nurse, you have really already become a right. different kind of a, a different male. Kind, yeah. Um, they are. Have you met any? Cause they're different. I haven't in a wonderful way. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. You know, my best friend in the whole world, Monica, shout out to you. So she, about five years ago, had um, most of her right lung removed from a tumor, um, a malignant tumor. Wow. And you know where they put her? The fucking in the COVID tent. tent. Hold on. What? Yeah. They don't I care. I just got the like bad, ba- like I had full body chills, yeah, but it was like the bad kind. They don't care. Yep. They're like, oh, well, you'll be more protected in there because mm-hmm. you have all the gear on. Mm-hmm. And she's what? like. Uh, so I have one lung and you're going to put me where I test people. So I remember that some people that she knew well, they were like, let's pull you out of there, you know, kind of like secretly and put you somewhere else. (laughs) And, you know, she has a lot of pride and she's like, nope, I'll do it. Why did we pick these professions, Lori? I want to, mom told us to. She said, said, don't you dare not have a career or a profession. Don't you remember? I do. (laughs) Kathy, this is all your fault. (laughs) We have no no respect. (laughs) At least I get paid well. I'm sorry. I, I know. I know. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't. Okay. You have told us so much good information, Lori. I honestly feel like I didn't even know any of this and, you know, I should because you're my sister, but I didn't. And I appreciate you talking with us. I feel like people learned a lot. I learned a lot. Me too. Um, I learned a ton. I, I, I pretty much went through all of my questions. I guess if you had any last thing you'd want people to know or take away, I guess, from this conversation. Okay. Here's, here's a little tidbit from the daily. So what is going on with healthcare workers not taking the vaccine? I didn't know this. Yes. Okay. So in Ohio, okay, 60% of the healthcare workers opted out. Opted out. Versus Massachusetts where only 10% opted out. And I just want to say it doesn't make sense. Okay. First off, you're putting yourself in danger. Every day we put ourselves in danger going to that hospital or that nursing home. You're putting your family in danger. You're putting your patients in danger. What about that? What oath did we take as healthcare providers to protect everyone? What are you doing? And I just wish that that wasn't true. And I know in my own facility, 
there are a good amount of people that chose not to take it because it's not mandatory. And our CEO, that first shipment of vaccines, he thought he was going to have to actually throw some out because of that temperature they had to be in. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, the negative. Because Ooh. not enough people signed up. And he was freaking out, like trying to get all these signups and, you know, it trickled down to like my boss and, and me, you know what I mean? Now, granted my team all did it, but I just think to myself, are we going to waste vaccines guys? Yeah. You know who I want to hear from? We have listeners in Canada and the UK. I want to hear from them. And Thailand. Yes. Thailand and <laughs> France and the Philippines and yes. Israel. Israel. Which I'm super stoked about Israel. I hope we know you are. Oh, want to be Jew? I do want to be Jewish. My Irish ass. <laughs> <laughs> she has a dream. I have a dream. Everybody has a dream. Anyway, I want to hear from them on their their experience in their country yeah. on with with COVID and with people's perceptions of the vaccines and people wearing masks like what's it like when they go out that is interesting to think about i'd like to know so if you guys can email us that would be amazing huh. after that capital thing i said to myself and i was like 10 percent super serious i'm going to pack up my children and we're leaving we're going to canada or yeah. ireland Lori. and then i'm like i'm with you they don't even want us i was gonna say no. you can't get in you're not allowed in no we can't go anywhere we're stuck we stuck here we're stuck i've uh, i've had that that back and forth with myself a lot with randy and i talk about it constantly we were like let's just move to surrey because i just see like well okay so first of all <laughs> my husband and i love the holiday and that's where that she so lives in the cottage in the cottage in surrey and i'm like mm. oh my god i just want to move to surrey but we also tea. think it's like, do we have, and have tea? Yes. It's like, do we have a social responsibility though for this country to stay here and to fight for what's right to make this country better? Or do we want to just live where <laughs> things are better? And are they even better in Surrey? Can someone? Yeah, they, they might. I mean, like Canadian friends, is it really UK that much friends, better there? Let us know. Because we want to know, because yeah. we're dying down here. What would be your, like your final advice coming from the inside front line of COVID slash the hospital world to everyday listeners? I think it would be, please take this as serious as you're supposed to, because it's actually insulting and really hurts us who are working in this every day. And if you can't respect us, how can we respect you when you're coming in? Ooh, Mike, drop, drop. What life lesson have you learned that you wish the world knew? I always feel this way now because I've seen so much death is live like it was your last day. YOLO. <laughs> if you want to take that trip, do it. If you want to go somewhere, do it. Because I have seen people in their 20s up into their 90s pass away. And every single one, it's just sad. And mm -hmm. I don't want to have any regrets. And I don't think other people should either. Awesome. That was great. That was wonderful. Thank yeah. you so, so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank yeah. you. I learned so much. and I did too. My gosh. I have so much respect for you. Thanks. And tell everybody um, on your team that we say thank you. I hope they listen to this. Please let them know that we appreciate them mm -hmm. and that they are not bottom feeders as they feel because um, I feel their pain and that everything they do, every time they wake up in the morning to go put themselves in danger and deal with very, very sick people that we appreciate it because mm -hmm. who knows? It could be tomorrow that we're mm -hmm. their patients. Right. Yeah. You know, so thank you. Thank you. Lori. You're welcome.
It all started in Wuhan, China. In light of the COVID pandemic, we have had a lot of discussion around people who refuse to follow the rules and people who actually follow the rules. And so I did a lot of research on psychologist Michelle Gelfand. She's done 25 years of researching people and their relationship with rules. And she's come to the conclusion that there are two types of people when it comes to rule following, and they are the tight and the loose. And I'm going to take a moment for my 12-year-old self <laughs> to giggle. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh, man. You All may right. not believe it, but before you even go into it, I can tell you I'm tight. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it 100%. When I, I was reading this, the definitions, yeah. I was like, Amy's a tight. I'm a tight. And I'm a, <laughs> and I, and I'm a loose. <laughs> So you all just listened to our discussion with Lori, who is a nurse practitioner at a hospital in Philadelphia, and she, in the Philadelphia area. And she explained to us a nurse's viewpoint of what it's like to be in the ICU with people with COVID and um, how devastating it is to watch these people pass on. So this is my question then before we get into this is why isn't everyone down with following the rules when it comes to this? Is it rhetorical? No, I mean, if you've got an answer, I would love to hear it. I mean, the answer is, and I've already told Sarah this, is that we live in a world of me, myself, and I. Mm-hmm. That's the U.S. We don't, we don't give a shit about the collective being of who we are. So if it's not going to hurt me, then I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm not going to do anything that's going to possibly help someone else. Right. I'm just only going to do what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And that's basically, that's it. That's what we live in. We're the United States of me. Yeah. I want yeah. my freedom. Mm-hmm. What, what fucking freedom do you need? Oh, you need to not wear a mask. Okay. Right. My body, I, my choice. <laughs> I mean, seriously, fuckers. Get out. I can't. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, so these tight and loose people with rule following. <laughs> I know. I can't. I don't know why she chose those words. They are just really. <laughs> they're, they're not. I can't. All I think about are vaginas. I I. <laughs> I think of a tight vagina and a loose vagina, and I, I don't know. I can't get past it. I feel like we should call it something else. Okay, so she did have another definition or another another explanation. She said, you can decide which Muppet you are. So this is much better. <laughs> are you Kermit? <laughs> Who is going to follow the rules, and he's going to tell you what to do. <laughs> or are you Cookie Monster? We are going to be so professional. We're going to be like We're going to be like the daily. And it's going to be so good. And then we can't stop laughing because we can't stop thinking about vaginas. Oh, my God. Fuck. Which we both have. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I needed to clarify that, but I did. Anyway. So we're going to refer to tight people as Kermit and loose as Cookie Monster. So the cookie monsters, which I am, I'm a cookie monster, but this, but I will tell you something afterwards. Cookie monsters are skeptical about rules. 
They're willing to take risks. They're comfortable with disorder and ambiguity. Kermits. We're trying really hard. We're trying really hard. So bad. I know. NPR is definitely going to pick us up. I just know it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) NPR, here we come. Oh my god, Ira Glass, I love you. (laughs) He's my favorite Jew. (laughs) What about me? You're not. Sorry. (laughs) I'm your favorite fake Jew. Faux Jew. Faux Jew. (laughs) The Kermits. Notice the rules around them. They have a strong desire to avoid mistakes. Miss number one over there. (laughs) They have impulse control and love structure and order. Yes, baby. So when it comes to real life situations, I am definitely a cookie monster. You are definitely a Kermit. When it comes, tell me what to do, how to do it, when to be there. I'll be there. When it comes to COVID, I am a Kermit for sure. Tell Mm -hmm. me the rules. I will follow them because... I just, like, while I love taking risks and while I'm definitely skeptic of authority a lot, <laughs> um, skeptical of authority, I'm always like, hmm, what are their motivations? Why are they telling me to do that? All the things that come flooding in my head. And while disorder is my life and ambiguity is my life, I live in a chaotic world. But when it comes to this, I think the the threat to humanity is so strong that I can't be anything but a rule follower. So here's some stuff I learned. Do you feel like the rules are out there? That's a very good point because no, I don't. I think that there's one rule. The mask. And that's the mask. Wear a fucking mask. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. all we have. So people just do it. We have one rule. Wear a mask. Social distance. Those, I mean, it's, it's not, we're almost a year here. But we We, don't even social distance at school anymore. So it's wear a mask. That's mm -hmm. the only rule. True. Just letting you know. Yeah. To give, like, some examples, on, like, a macro level, so when you're looking at, like, countries, how there was the the World Cup, the Soccer World Cup was in Brazil, and when Japan played, and then they left this, like, everybody left the stadium when the game was over, all of the Japanese fans stayed and were cleaning up the stadium. Oh. Because that's their rule following, like, their country is very strict, and it's very organized, and, you know, like, there's order, so, and structure, so they were, like, cleaning up the stadium, and it was, like, on the news, these reporters are saying, look at them. Like, what are they doing? They're, clean- they're cleaning up after themselves. So is it out of fear or is it out of just like a pride of like country? I think it's out of conditioning. Mm, that's fascinating. Yeah. So I think it's just like, this is how they were brought up. This <clears throat> is what their country, this is what their life is in their home country. And they don't know any different. And this is what they're just going to do even if they're not at home. Right. But the, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know if it could be a pride as well that they don't want to be known as like the people who trashed the, right. the stadium. And then on a micro level within households, there's people that are at a butting head situation right. where one person in the house may feel like it's okay. Our kid wants to have a sleepover and you know, mom says, Oh, that's okay. And dad is like, no way. Right. So just these, these disparity within the homes too is just a little bit crazy. There was a poll taken in May of 2020 uh, from YouGov and there were 1500 U S citizens polled And the results came with about COVID and about following the rules and when it's normal, like when it's okay to resume normal activity. And what they found were that Republicans are five times more likely to believe it is safe to resume normal business activity. Now, I'm not making this a partisan discussion. (laughs) What I'm saying is that that's what the poll results were. And I wanted to I wanted to state that fact because the proof is out there that it is more of a Republican viewpoint to not wear a mask. Yes. 
and it's okay to have these parties and you know the white house has had events so i wanted to like put that together to talk about that not as a partisan thing but as views that typically come from that party when it comes to wearing a mask and your body and what you should and shouldn't do and it kind of just started to seep into my head where i was like okay so they are also more apt to be the all lives matter party right and when it comes to this this is where i see this complete disconnect where there's a disconnect between them saying that all lives matter and then not willing to do something as simple as putting on a mask to protect all lives right it was just a thought i don't really have it makes you wonder though too though how much is rhetoric how much is they're just saying uh, yeah all lives i do care about no you don't like right i'm just saying by your actions i'm not saying that I know what you feel. I'm just saying that your actions are showing me that you don't because your individual freedoms and rights are more important to you than wearing this mask. Mm -hmm. You feel that you're being controlled. Yeah. And I can see at the beginning how you could feel that way. I'm going to sympathize with those people for just a second that it did seem fucking weird. Yeah. There was a lot about it that I was like, what? How can you say no mask and now mask? No mask and now mask. Like, which one is it? And are you just like wanting us to comply so we can comply with other things? I mean, trust me, I've been down that road. Mm-hmm. I've read all the things. I just, it's really just as simple as wearing a mask so that you don't get your fucking germs on everybody. Yeah. And I will say this, there has to be some sort of truth to this because normally at this point, I've had two sinus infections, strep throat, mm-hmm. and usually some sort of like stomach shit. Yeah. Yeah. I've not been sick at all. Mm, because we're so much more guarded with our germs. Because we've been wearing masks. And washing our hands. I wonder, you're, you're telling me that your germs don't come from the air. That's bullshit. Right. Because I've been wearing a mask anytime I'm in public, except mm-hmm. for around like about 10 people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've, I usually have so, had the same thing. I got sick once in 2020. Yeah. So I just, am, well, yes, I was very sick. In fact, I do believe I had COVID. That's a whole nother story. But I, Same here. It, it was to a level of illness that I've never had in my life mm-hmm. in February. March, something like that. Mm-hmm. But since then, and since I've been back at work with Jeremy and kids and doing lunch duty and all of these things, because I've had my mask on, I truly think that's why. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's something to it in my unscientific <laughs> teacher plan over here. No, I'm with you. In the relation to the lockdowns for COVID, when it comes to these Kermits and Cookie Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> psychologist Michelle mentions that there's a basic principle that when there is a real threat, the karmets serve a purpose. Following the rules serves a purpose, regardless of what person you are, that it just makes more sense at that point to do that. So she talks about when a community has increasing numbers of COVID cases that can overwhelm the healthcare system, which we talked about with Lori. and, And luckily she was in a space where that didn't happen to her, uh, but it is rampant around the world for hospitals to be overrun and overloaded and don't have the room for people and and for beds and for ventilators. Um, But it's because of all of that, it is critical to follow the rules as a collective whole, which Amy brought up such a good point with saying that the United States does not care about the collective, no matter what. No, And then if you do believe like in the collective, like I do, I believe in the collective and that's why, how I live my life and why I believe the things I believe. I'm considered a socialist. Right. And in no way, shape, or form, if you look at the definition of a mm-hmm. socialist. Right. I just believe in collective greater good. Yeah. Call me whatever you want to call me. <laughs> yeah. I don't really fucking care, but I No, just, I don't really fucking care yeah, either. I'm like, just saying, like, don't I know put that don't. Uh, right. don't put that label on me because mm-hmm. I believe in Humanity. Uh, humanity. 
taking care of each other. Right. Yeah. So she did shed some light, which helped me to understand a little bit on why the people with that loose or cookie monster mindset (laughs) find this challenging. Because they see it as a violation of their personal rights. There it is. They see it as a violation of their personal autonomy. But you don't feel that way. And you are a cookie monster all the way. Correct. Hmm. I don't. And I also pro-choice. Yeah. But that I guess that would make sense with a cookie monster. But most people who, if we're going to talk about Republicans and Democrats, which, we're, again, we're not making this partisan. We're using this one thing. Stats. This yeah. stat. Mm-hmm. Most Republicans are cookie monsters. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't make sense to me, then, that you're going to limit a woman's right to choose. Mm-hmm. You're picking and choosing. Yeah. What you want your freedom on. Right. So I also, I don't know how deep we want to get down this rabbit hole. I'm not going to do a deep dive right now, but just something to think about what Mm -hmm. we'll leave you guys with Mm -hmm. um, is just some like philosophy around this. If you believe that all humanity should be treated equally and that human suffering is the same across the board. Right. So I was listening to a philosopher and I feel very bad. I can only remember his last name. It's Singer. He talks about the this metaphor of you're walking past a, a frozen lake and you see a child drowning in the lake. And he said, do you stop and think, okay, well, I could drown. Right. I'm going to get my expensive clothing wet. I'm going to ruin my Gucci shoes. I'm going to whatever. Oh, wait. First, I have to take off my shoes, mm-hmm. undo my belt, get mm-hmm. my pants off, whatever. Or do you just jump in and save the child? He believes that most people's responses would be that they would save the child because he is an optimist and believes that humanity is inherently good Mm. (laughs) is my guess Mm. i think that if you do have that mindset then what is stopping you from doing the simplest of things to protect humanity what is stopping you from wearing a mask? What is stopping you from not going to a concert, no matter how badly we want to go? No matter how badly. Uh, you know, just, the, you know, things like that. Not going to a super spreader event, you know, mm-hmm. like where there's not one person wearing a mask and people are hugging each other and, mm-hmm. you know, talking an inch away from each other's faces. Like, what is what is stopping you from doing what is right for humanity? And that's, I just want to pose that question and put that out there. and Yeah. Let us know what you think. If you've got an answer for that, please email us, unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Your gaslighting stories have been received, and I appreciate all of them and your vulnerability in sharing those. Keep them coming. Yeah, keep. that's what I was going to say. Keep them coming, and we appreciate all of your messages and DMs that have shared with us that it has helped you put a name to put what, a name to it. Yeah. yeah, put a name to what you fucking went through mm-hmm. and survived. Yeah. So we are glad that that episode was able to help a little bit with some of your, you know, past situations. That's why you're warriors. Well, thank you so much for listening again. And check us out on Patreon. I cannot leave that out. No, because if you want to see the video from tonight's episode with my sister Lori and all the eye rolls we gave each other because we're (laughs) sisters. um, (laughs) And uh, the video is pretty, pretty funny and it will be unedited. So you'll hear all the shit. All the shit. Even the little sister banter Uh behind the scenes. Um, (laughs) This Sarah's going to cut out for all of our loyal listeners. break them up. Sisters? (laughs) She did. So uh, (laughs) please, please. Come on over to Patreon and support us so we can get this stories and all of these stories out to more people. Mm-hmm. 
Um, We've got mugs for you coming. Yes, we do. We have bonus episodes there. We have show notes. You can see all of our crazy thoughts scribbled down on papers so you can kind of see where the train of thought goes and goes off the rails sometimes. So we've got our show notes. Um, We've got polls to ask you questions and what you want to hear about. And soon when we hit a certain number of Patreons, we are going to be doing a live stream episode. And we cannot wait for that. We're super excited, but we need like, we need a little bit more of you. Yes, we do. And um, we know that'll happen soon. So we're excited for that. And to help us even further, um, I've asked you on some other social media sites, uh, if you could just leave a review uh, or just even a rating. Yeah. A rating on Apple Podcasts. I know you don't, not all Apple users, but you can go on to the website. Yes, you can. And anyone can leave one. So I'm an Android user. There you go. And all you have to do is hit however many stars you would like to give us and that's it we just need some numbers there so that people i know you're listening we see the downloads <laughs> we see the downloads you so we just awesome. need we just need you guys to rate and review us and that would that's just is so so helpful yeah so all right we will see you guys next week i say see every time it's all right we we'll will. talk to you next we'll week chat with you have a good one peace This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Production and editing for this podcast by Sarah Simone. Our theme song was written and produced by Vince Cassis and performed by Sarah Simone. If you have a topic around mental health that's been weighing on you, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. You can find lots of bonus content, including exclusive episodes on our Patreon at patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. We are thankful beyond measure for your support there. Patreon and Apple podcast reviews are how we can continue to bring you episodes just like this. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Unqualified Therapist Sync. Until next week, warriors, remember, hold on, we're gonna make it.